imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Here, there, everywhere, coming at you. Not just weekly, twice, thrice weekly. Sure, why not? And uh, joining me today, after quite the break is uh, the, the man, myth, and legend himself, uh, star of uh, stage and screen, front man of the Jesus Lizard, you, you may have heard of them, uh, Scratch Acid. Uh, and, and I think last time, David, I, Flipper, I think you had just started playing the Flipper last time we talked. I'm remembering this now. David, yeah, welcome to the show. Hi, Conan. It's been a while, man. You're, you're, you're a busy fella, and that's coming from me. Uh, <laughs> How's how how are things? How how is how's uh, the acting life treating you? Are you st- are you still liking it? It seems like you're doing very well with it. Like you're you're well, in all there, roles. There's this pandemic thing that's going on, and it's kind of uh, screwed that up. So I've had uh, in the last year, I've had a handful of auditions that um, uh, whether they went well or not, I thought some of them did. But I didn't get the the roles, but um, in I think October 27th, my manager called at like 10.30 at night and said, hey, can you go to Butte, Montana tomorrow? And I went, <laughs> okay. And um, I went to Butte for three weeks and shot a bunch of episodes for a, a TV show called Bring on the Dancing Horses. And um, they're going to, they shot 10 episodes. Wow. And then they're going to try and sell it to whatever network. Which is a pretty ballsy move. I was going to say that that's that's very ball. It's almost like a out, out of a different time or something, right? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of yeah. like you don't have that level of assurance usually that anything's going to be uh, sticking around that long. So and Butte, well, and that's an interesting. I mean, I like Montana a lot. I'm a big Montana fan. So it's a uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's there's worse places to be. But I mean, how how do our distance go now? Is it Zoom? Like what 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 does it even look like? Um. Sometimes Zoom, those I hate. I, they're awful. I would rather do a self tape. Yeah. And um, there's a, a little company very close to where I live, who does it, provides that service for you, and they're exceptional. They do a great job, and they're really cheap, and so and it's professional. And so. It's better than 
doing it in the living room with my girlfriend. <laughs> right, exactly. The cat's wandering into frame, wandering back out. Yes, you, know? <laughs> you, you saw that one. Meow, <laughs> <laughs> meow. Yeah. We can't get you a bit part, Kitty. It's not going to happen. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting that, uh, you know, there is the ability, it seems, to actually shoot stuff. It's just you have to be incredibly prepared and take lots of precautions to the point of, of if you're any kind of indie production or, or, you know, not swimming in the dough, it's probably not going to be worth the effort. It's, it's fascinating to me, like, how any of that operates right now. Like, how is new stuff, well, like, being created? If it's in post, maybe, okay, sure, sure, I get it. But. Well, in, th- in, with, in this instance, um, I pretty much... If if I wasn't on set, if I wasn't shooting that day, I just stayed naked in my hotel room. <laughs> and the only and the only reason to get dressed is every other morning at about seven thirty, I had to go have them stick a toothbrush in my nose to see if I had the virus. Was it like daily daily tests? Like you have to before yeah, you go every on set. Other day. Yeah, that's so that three four. I was there for um, uh, twenty one days. So yeah. It's, 10 or 11 of those horrible tests. I, I mean, it's got to be difficult to concentrate on running the lines or concentrate on what's going on with all that preamble, well, right? That's a good point because it was interesting. There was no one, I didn't get to really run lines because usually, okay, you know, you run lines and instead I just, I just read them to myself out loud and then hoped for the best. And it all went okay, but, um, that's got to be un- like to to put it bluntly. That's got to be unnerving, especially when you're trying to do something and you know bring what you bring to it, like bring like your heart and your passion and your talent to it. And you just have all these. It's like the, like what is it? Is it the the five obstructions? <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, you know what I'm. T- it's the um. It's the it's a it came out like 2003. It was Lars von Trier. Uh, the five five obstructions you had to um, make. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, you had yeah. certain obstacles to overcome to to do uh, yeah. each one of those. Um, yeah, it, it, it would be even better if I could remember like more details about it. But I just remember it being like, oh yeah, that's a cool idea. Oh neat, interesting. Uh, but not necessarily the modus operandi you want to do when you're trying to, you know, just do the bare minimum of uh, <laughs> making something cool. I would imagine. Right. Right. Has there been any corollaries? Because I think last when last time we talked, like you had already kind of dived in uh, full bore and done a couple features. But have there been any times that you know, being a, a touring rock and roller that has been firmly entrenched in in that world, that you found that, that oh, that has come in handy with the acting, or that's come in handy with something around the acting or around a production? What something that I learned from being in the music that would help? Yeah, in the music the world. Acting? touring whatever um, i don't know i i may have said this to you before but i don't remember <laughs> i mean people have told me that they thought that it seemed like a natural transition for yeah. me to go from the way i behaved doing shows with the jesus Lord to go into acting i don't necessarily see that because with the jesus Lord, i could do anything i wanted at any point complete absolute freedom if i wanted to sing the song i could if i wanted to make up new words i could if i wanted yeah. to just go sit over there i could <laughs> um with acting it's it's not like that you you know you have to yeah. say this thing as you're putting that down and you pick up the gun and walk over there and like you know so there's 
there's the, the, the similarity is that it is a performance. And right. I've just recently decided I need to tell myself that when I'm doing these auditions because I get terrified and I just go like, don't be afraid. These people are on your side. They want you to do good. The better you do, the easier their job is. Right. If they for casting, if, sure, you, yeah. do, if you kick ass, then you solve their problem. And so I need to always consider and remember that it is a performance. And if you think of it as such, it's easier to get in there. <laughs> well, no, and, 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 and it makes sense. And I think of, um, did you ever see the film Living in Oblivion, uh, a really Steve Buscemi film? Yeah. Uh, and the actor who we are led to believe is uh, like a Tom Cruise type. Uh, continually tries to improvise, but sort of just basically screws it up for everyone. And it, it's probably one of the most interesting studies I've seen of what it's like to make a movie. And the fact that everyone is sort of, you know, it, it's an ecosystem. Everyone's <laughs> needs everyone else to be doing their job and not necessarily working on their own things. Of course, there are, there are productions that maybe that works a little bit with improvisation. But I think from the idea of it feeling extemporaneous, it feeling in the moment, it's a lot of work. And it's bizarre. And you said all the people that have to do their jobs. It's a, of any artistic endeavors I know of. I don't know of anything else that requires so many people to do their shit right. Right. I mean, it's it's a yeah. miracle that a movie can ever actually <laughs> really finished. is. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's with all the moving parts, it's this gigantic machine that can just grind to a hole at a moment's notice. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, you know. Early on stuff, scheduling and location scouting, just all that shit, it's just, it's incredible that it can ever happen. And then sometimes they do it well. <laughs> right, which, and that's <laughs> somehow all the, all the more impressive. And, and then you understand why there's awards for uh, every darn thing that, that happens, because yeah. they all deserve it, every one of them, especially if you yeah. do it well. Did you have any, do you have any ideas, like now that you've done like, you know, uh, more than a few features and you've kind of into the rhythm of it, not like a novice or anything along those lines, do you have any ideas of, of early on what's going to be expected of you? I mean, is that something that you, you kind of have to find out on your own? Like, is it dependent on the director? Like what's, how do you know what you need to be doing or where you need to pull from? You don't, you don't have a clue. Are you talking about like... In the, in the audition phase? I mean, I, I guess in either one, in an audition or in production. In the audition, <laughs> you, you cannot know what yeah. they want. Because it's, just, it's and, the um, page. It's just it's what's on the page, right? And that's it. And you don't necessarily know. Yeah, and, and you interpret it the way you interpret it. And ideally, you know, just make it as compelling as possible. I um, You know the, um, the master classes on the internet? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they are. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I signed up for that largely because I wanted to take, um, are you there? Uh, yeah, sorry. That was, I was fussing with something because, like that. Um, <laughs> Sam, Samuel Jackson's class looked really cool. It was like five hours and came with a 65 page booklet. And he was talking about in auditions, you know, I don't care what you motherfucking do, just give it an art. You know, it was like, give it an art, motherfucker. And, yeah, um, yeah. was helpful i just i just watched django and chain last night for the for the first time and uh 
I was blown away by just how awesome he was at being such a loathsome, terrible, like awful character. Where it's like, oh, he's so good at being yeah. being this bastard. Like he's so he's yeah. so fantastic at it. Terrible, terrible guy. And you find like with um, when you're acting, because uh, again, you're 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 doing you know a lot of I guess what's known as character work, right? Character actor stuff a lot yeah, of times. Yeah. Do you find that you base that on? people you actually know or do you just pull it from someplace different or people you have met or experienced perhaps it, it varies there, there's definitely been times when I you know when when in the early 80s in Austin I worked at a I was a landscaper mm-hmm. and uh, my the landscape foreman was a very enigmatic character he was he was an asshole he was a speed freak. He was um, stupid as shit <laughs> and uh, truly amazing. Yeah. He was really like he seemed like a character in a movie. And there's been a couple times when I sort of grew from him. Um, um, if I mean, I, in my experience, if if I was able to kind of base the character on something I've seen before that does make it easier. And hopefully it doesn't come across as, Oh, he's just doing that guy from that other movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 If you, if you pull some, you know, B level status, like Robert Mitchum looks, you hopefully do like, Oh, he's doing Robert Mitchum, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I know what he's doing. A night of the hunter. We get it. You know, <laughs> Uh, and well, and that's it, it, so. And the reason why I ask is because that makes me wonder of having made that transition. You know, you've met so many people over the years. Uh, you know, as a human and as a musician, do you look at folks differently? Do you find yourself studying people more, or like kind of like taking in like weird traits or like uh, uh, interactions? Maybe a little bit. I can. I think I've always been like that a little. I I, I really enjoy people watching. And um, uh, I don't, I'm not, and I'm relatively observant. So um, I, I think maybe a little bit more now, not not a whole lot. Oh, and um, I wanted to mention this thing that I just did with uh, the um, Bring on the Dancing Horses. Mm-hmm. I play a hitman, and my nice. partner is a was played by a, a character, a guy named Happy Anderson, who is three times my size he's mm-hmm. enormous and he's really cool and he's really funny and i really enjoyed it and i think that that is going to make the show pretty interesting and also um <laughs> lance hendrickson is in it no kidding it? yeah yeah of course yeah. yeah i don't i didn't get to act with him at all but oh. i did go to the set one day when he was working and uh just hung out with him for a while and ch- chatted and just a, what a nice, humble guy. That's awesome. You know, he's Lance fucking Hendrickson, and he's humble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would he would have he would be within his right to be a total prick, uh, <laughs> based on yeah. what he's done. Which glad to know that he isn't. Uh, yeah, that that guy's uh, that guy's done a lot. That guy's it's done so, a lot. So cool looking. Yeah. Do you think that uh, have you been have you been recognized on set by anyone? Uh, from your music career? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's only been one time in my life, though, I've been recognized on the street mm-hmm. for my acting career. And it was so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. We were, in, we were in Silver Lake at this little Mexican restaurant. And a guy came up to me and he goes, dude, you're the dude from that off video. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was just great. <laughs> and if you're going to be recognized for an off video, what that's the perfect uh, interaction for it too, right? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, you're the dude is, is, uh, cl- is classic. Uh, I wonder if you could. Uh, well, how, so actually, while we're talking about that, that's an interesting video. Like, wh- how did how did that all come? To, I don't think we talked about that last time. I'm just not going to sit here and break my brain trying to remember what we talked about last time because it was a long time ago. I don't think we've ever spoken before. We absolutely have. You've been on this show before, David. <laughs> you said so. <laughs> right, you're the one with the brain power. <laughs> I can I can pull up the archives, uh, but you were just starting to uh, play with the Flipper guys. You were just starting to to sing with Flipper right. at, at that time. Like just to, I don't think you'd even done like a show yet. I think it just was like on on deck. Right. Uh, so before that, so so talk about talk about that off video. And that's an, that's a cool video. I mean, as far as like music videos go, like that's that catches the attention, right? It's, it's exciting. It's cool. Oh yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's. It was just, we shot that so quickly. I mean, uh, I don't remember, either Dimitri or Keith called me up and said, hey, would you like to be in a video, you know, that we're doing? And I said, well, okay, Um, I have a beard. And they said, perfect, don't shave it. And, um, you know, I didn't didn't know what we were going to be doing very much. And then, you know, we went to the hotel and shot the opening scene with the, Sarah McNeely is just terrific. Um, and then went down to Hollywood Boulevard and um, and I had never met um, Jack Mario. Oh Grisham. Oh Grisham. Jack Grisham from <laughs> and he and he's the guy who beats me up. Right, right, yeah. From uh, uh, uh TSOL. So yeah, I thought I thought it was it was fun to do. Um uh, and I, I'm really, really pleased with the um, the outcome. The only complaint I have is that when there's the part when his character pisses on me, yeah, <laughs> they they got a bottle of um, apple juice to squirt on me, right. and I realized later watching it, you could have used water because it was so sticky. <laughs> I, I was covered in, you know, uh, extra sugar apple juice in yeah. my hair and everything. Just Watch like, out for ants. Yeah. I was a sticky man. Yeah. Is that a, it was it, because there's, there's a few, few videos like from, from your bands, but what's it like, uh, you know, working on a video that's not your band? That's like not, that's not your music. Like, do you think about what you need to do any differently because of that? Well, um, in the videos that I've done for the Jesus Lizard, like there's that one that's in like the warehouse, and you know, and it's pretty like you know, it's visually kind of cool looking, kind of minimal, like. But you're obviously you're doing a performance in the in like you're singing, so you're going to be in a different place than it is if you're like acting in a narrative music video. Right, and and I was not a fan of lip syncing, and so uh, if 
I'm being a guest in someone's video, like with the off video, that's great. I don't, you know, Keith, you worry about <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and does it get you? Uh, you know, it, it, does it feel? Does it feel more like it's a music thing, or does it feel more like it's an acting thing, or is it like a that that felt own? definitely like an acting thing, very very definitely. And at the very end of it, like after the cop walks away and after Jack walks away, and then you know it's kind of slow motion, and you see me sort of like going, "What the fuck are you looking at?" Yeah, I felt it because I'd fallen on the the granite of the sidewalk a couple times, and it hurt, and I was covered in fucking apple, apple juice, juice. <laughs> and all these you know tourists staring it was so fun i mean the people like they were backing away right, you know, right. from this weird little old man going what the fuck are you looking at yeah yeah that's that's like you know if you're actually intimidating the onlookers uh you're you're, you're probably doing a pretty good job of projecting that character's frustration <laughs> yeah i do hopefully yeah uh, can you? Uh, and again, I I guess I could have just listened to the 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 other episode, but you were at the begin. Last time we talked, you were at the beginning of playing shows with Flipper, which are huge huge shoes to fill. But I saw those shows and I loved it. And I loved that you you seemed to approach it with some degree of reverence and um, and respect. But it wasn't like you were doing like an impression. But it wasn't like you were just doing like your thing either. You seem to have like a kind of like a, a, a different specific approach for Flipper. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that and what, how was that experience well, overall? There was there was very much a degree of reverence because, you know, when when I first heard Flipper and it was at the same time as the Butthole Surfers and I was just going like, holy shit, this is fucking art punk. And I was so impressed with everything like brain, the brainwash seven inch. I remember the brainwash seven inch. I would say to my friends, like, you got to hear this. This is the most important recording since Abbey Road, which had not been that far right. <laughs> uh, before. Um, but yeah, so I, I considered myself part of the band while we were doing that. So, I was at liberty to do whatever I wanted with the songs. Like some of the, some of the lyrics, I just I just wasn't down with. Um, there, uh, Bruce was so um, nihilistic and uh, stuff. Some of the really really negative shit, I I couldn't do. Like I couldn't say I didn't. I I changed life from life is pretty cheap to life is not cheap. Yeah because that's what I wanted to do. But some of the songs, like, um, oh, um, Love Canal, and what's the one that Melvin's covered? Oh, uh, um, uh, uh, which one? Sacrifice. sacrifice, yeah. Sacrifice, God I was damn, singing I in my like, head. <laughs> and I, I had to get God, to the chorus. Doing, doing Sacrifice, I felt like uh, a bulldozer meets a silverback gorilla. It's like, don't fuck with me right now. Yeah, yeah. Now's not a good time. I, I'm a monster, and it felt incredible because I'm a little guy and stuff. But I just felt it was, it was, it was like power. It was just this incredible power. Well, and in the songs, even after all those years, 
you know, they still work. They still work, and they're still good songs. And it still sounds as kind of like weird and unearthly as it as it ever did, if not more. So uh, to be able to have like a whole new generation of fans to be able to like see it and and see it presented like live, like it's it's even more. I don't know. It's cool. It was a very cool thing. It was a confluence of cool things when you did it, and I and I really like the way that you handled it. Thank uh, you very much. It was, um, you know, the other bands that I've been with, the Scratch Acid and the Jesus Lizard, all our, our music was extremely structured. Right. It was. That's the way it goes. And with Flipper, there, most of them didn't have a structure. Most of them, it was kind of up to me. Like, well. I'm going to wait a minute and a half to come in Yeah. or whatever. And um, that was kind of cool because I got to, I felt like I was shaping it, you know, as it's going along. A bit of a different experience because you get to, and when you're also coming out from the, um, the place of being someone who listens to the music. So you, you know what it feels like as a listener as well. Yeah. And you didn't, you're not going to try to crowd it out because like, okay, I counted four measures. It's, it's time to come in. It's, it's, <laughs> Yeah. Not flipper year now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's something that the I think the Jesus Lizard had a bit of a reputation uh, because of the nature of the performance that maybe like people like not familiar with music might feel that like some you know so much a lot of it was improv and like I mean the, the whole point is it was like very tight and concise musically. It's just that like the the points of. Uh, you as a frontman and doing and doing vocals, first of all, were depending on what was going on. I mean, once so you do a song from the T-shirt box at bottom of the hill, like you like were in the T-shirt box at one point uh, when you got staged, <laughs> stage uh, stage handed around um, crowd surf. That's the word, not stage handed. Uh, I'm still stuck on the movie thing. You think? And it, it, it's it it just occurs to me that that it was amazing that you were at, were as dead on with all of it as you were. I mean, was it was was that just the fact that like the songs become muscle memory and so then everything else kind of becomes the the um uh, paintbrush and board to paint on board yeah yeah what do you mean are you saying that i adhered well to what i was supposed to be doing well yeah as a vocalist like how did you approach in the jesus lizard because you're known as a dynamic performer like from from the great school of uh like like the unpredictable you know, Iggy Pop, like for instance, right? That you have, but you had your own feel to it, and the music being so, so just those guys grinding it out. Like, how did you, did you ever have an action plan for like, okay, you know, maybe I'll go over there for a bit, maybe, or was it just like what was you were feeling at the time? Like, where, where did, where did the performance come in from? Because I, I think I've seen it aped a lot, and it's never quite the same. That's where I'm driving at with it. Um, I think it was generally spontaneous. I always, um, there are, you know, I, I repeated myself a million times, did the same kind of thing. Like, you know, for Seasick, there was this dance, and for Dudley, there was this dance. and um, But I tried to not repeat myself too much. Um, as far as, like, I've, just, I've read so many reviews where they say, like, you know, yeah, I was, you know, drunk as shit and getting tossed around by the crowd, and he didn't miss a beat. <laughs> Oh yes, he did. <laughs> it's like you—you you just don't know the beats that he makes. Right, right. Yeah, it's and and ideally, when I'd get lost or something, I could find my way back. You know, to yeah. where I was supposed to be. There was one um, instance in particular in Milwaukee 
Like and you know, on the set, the set list, I, I could see the next song up was uh, Then Comes Dudley, which mm -hmm. we just would write as Dudley. And I forgot the words. <laughs> I, I, I was completely blanking. I couldn't remember what the fucking words were. So I just kept going like, Dudley! I mean, it, it, but it's almost something where it's your song, you know. You can you can sing it you can sing it however you like, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah. Ideally, that 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 wouldn't happen too often, but yeah. Did you? I mean, thinking about like you know, unexpected events happening while being like crowd surfed around, or or, or in situations where. You know, you, you never quite know what's going to happen. Uh, are you? Are, there, there's certain musical cues you listen for. Is there a place like in your head where you're at for things? Like it's there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of uh, a lot of interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just gonna try and pay attention and hope and hopefully the alcohol intake wasn't too great that you can't really do that. But you know that happened a couple times. I was a gigantic. Uh, scratch acid fan in, in high school but i was uh, too young and too ignorant uh, of awesome music to ever know when you guys were around but did that uh develop as a jesus Lizard thing or was that something that was uh, you kind of started off doing um obviously not while playing bass but like you know when you when you started being a singer like was it just the kind of show you wanted to see oh well um uh Yes. I mean, you know, that was the central Texas punk rock scene. And some of the front men of bands around at the time with Gary Floyd from the Dicks and Biscuit from the Big Boys. Although Biscuit was mostly just fun. He was just fun, good time. Right. But then like Chris Wing with Sharon Tate's Baby and the, you know, Gibby and Paul with the Bottle Surfers. Um, I feel like that's sort of how I cut my teeth. It was like, being around those guys and uh, having an obligation to entertain the people who spend their hard-earned six bucks to <laughs> to go to a show. Sure. You know. Well, and is, was there, you know, was it more of a, was there a competition at all with it or was it more of like a shine theory kind of situation? Oh, I don't think, I don't think there's competition. Not, at, at least the, not that I was involved in. Um, it was, it was pretty mad. I think everybody kind of like, you know, well, it, it's not like everybody liked everybody. They were, they were assholes to, and stuff, but I mean, sure. generally it was, it was a great community. It seemed it seemed like if anything, it was maybe something where no one wanted to be the one that would like let down, right? Everyone was just doing their applying their trade, doing their thing. No one wanted to be the weak link, but it wasn't didn't seem like it was a cutthroat necessarily or something along those lines. It seems like it was a, a, yeah more like a good punk rock community sort of thing. Can you? I, I've talked to Dwayne a little bit about it on the show previously, but can you tell us a little bit about how the Jesus Lizard originally came to pass? moving and uh, just all that you know came to pass gas we um <laughs> well um Dwayne had he, he had been in a band called cargo cult mm -hmm. and um and then i guess that dissolved or whatever 
and he had um, some ideas that uh, he, somebody had offered him free studio time. I think he had like five or six songs and he asked me if I would play bass on him and I, I, I played it and I was just going, you know, I'm not a good bass player. Why don't we ask David to do it? And he said, oh, you think, you think he'd do that? And I said, yeah. <clears throat> and so we just recorded those songs and, you know, at the time, well, um, there's another band that David joined, David Sims joined with Ray Washington and Steve Albini. And so he went up to Chicago to do that. And that sort of interrupted the whole Jesus Lizard thing. And, um, but that band, their band didn't exist very long. I think it was like less than a year, eight yeah. months or something. It, like that. it wasn't very long. They just put out the one record and that was Este Finito. Yeah. And so then we said, well, how about we have Dwayne come up to Chicago and because I had moved to Chicago with David and um, we could just record these six songs and put out an EP and be done with it. And so we did that, but then sort of decided, hey, what if we made it a band? And um, yeah, I, uh, when I was living in Austin, I had seen 86 from Atlanta, Georgia and Mac McNeely played drums. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I was, I just, I, I didn't, I, I was, I was floored at the way he played drums. Yeah. And um, we, after the show, I introduced myself and said, you know, if we can ever, it's such a, a, a sort of a cliche thing to say, if we can ever work together, we should, <laughs> which I've never said to anybody else. Right, right. <laughs> but I said that to him, and then so when we were going to be hunting for a drummer. We had a, like a short list and um, I mentioned Mac and I said, I'll get in touch with him and see if he wants to do it. And we sent him a tape. We sent him what that first record pure, which I thought, I thought he's not going to want to do it with that drum machine. Shit. Yeah. Do Cause the drum machine was pretty. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, he wanted to do it. And it's funny, when he got to Chicago, he told us that all his friends had said down in Atlanta, like, now if you get up there and they're all a bunch of junkies, you just turn right on around and come back home. <laughs> and so fortunately, we weren't junkies, so. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and then we just started writing and touring like crazy. I mean, Dwayne uh, characterized it once as it being almost like a monkeys-like situation. Uh, <laughs> as far as like your work ethic and just being around each other like all the time and and always working and always doing new stuff. Monkey? Yeah, monkeys. Like not monkeys like the animal, but like the television show with uh, Peter Tork and. Uh, um... Oh. Oh, that's what because of the I didn't know they did that. Oh, because of the TV show? It's a TV show. Yeah, the TV show about the band. And it was, a, it was like... Right, a, okay, right, know, right. They were trying to capitalize on the Beatles, but... Uh, right. Uh, anyway, so, but I guess what I'm driving at is that you, you hit the ground running, like, big time. And it, it kind of seems like, yeah, once Mac joined up, that was... It's like, that. this is it. This 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 is what's happening. Let's go. Let's do this. It was really good. Like, did you just know immediately, like, when he started, like, did, like, what, he started off with, like, what, like, Bloody Mary or something? And did you just, like, oh, yep, that's it. 
I don't remember specifically, but I think so. I think, I mean, we hit it off pretty well. Yeah. The four of us, and we all four lived in the same apartment and we worked, we practiced, you know, eight hours a day, every day. And we were constantly around each other. Yeah. I like think the monkeys. I was going to say, I think that's the piece that he was thinking of when he was, when he said the monkeys of just the constantly being around each other, not necessarily the uh, hijinks and antics right. <laughs> aspect of things. Uh, so then what how how did things change uh with the song composition you know now that like okay so you, you've got like it's a real live you know real deal rock and roll band like there, there's real deal rock and roll music happening it's not a drum machine you know not that there's anything wrong with that that first that first stuff it's like i think it's super cool but it's it's a different freaking story right and that's when we start getting into where where I think the magic of the Jesus lizard starts to happen. So can you tell us a little bit about like all those songs, like, you know, what was it like a uh, seven versus eight, um, Titan shiny, all those ones, like, um, the one, the, the ones that, the ones that were on head. I think Titan shiny is an interesting one that you chose first because it's instrumental. I, I was going to say, I was, I was wow. just, I was trying to, I, I was trying to think of the ti- any title. Like I was like, title, title, go. And, and, and that's what, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Seven versus eight, you know that's that's a good one. Um, Killer McCain, that I mean, you guys, I saw you guys play that for years and years and years. Like it, it, it worked really well as a live song. So tell tell me about that record. Tell me about like writing with Mac. Like what? How did things change? Like what what did what did? Oh, with Head. Yeah, yeah. What did what did y'all bring out of each other with that record? Um, it was just really, it just, it just came. It just flowed. It was really easy. <clears throat> I think at the at the very beginning, we practiced in uh, Corey Rusk's basement. Corey Rusk was running ran Touch and Go Records, and he and his wife lived in this house, and we practiced in the basement for a while. And I just it just it just seemed like it fell together. Um, it was so easy, and it was so easy to rearrange and collaborate and stuff like that. Um, uh, it was really exciting and then there was a handful of other places we practiced but i think when we were doing head we were there and um i don't know uh um we were talking about <coughs> excuse me <coughs> when i was getting tossed around or <coughs> excuse me or whatever trying to keep my place in the song the song both one evening and Killer McCann, I could get lost so easy. I never knew, I mean, so often with those songs, I'd have to just sort of like look over at <laughs> Do a glance, yeah. And he'd <laughs> nod like, now. Yeah. And I mean, that that even on these reenactment tours we've yeah. done, it, like, I don't know, does it does it do it two times and I come in? Or is it three times and I come in? And, yeah. Well, because the arrangement's so intricate and there's so many, you know, kind of quick shifting that if you're not, you know, sitting there as an audience member looking at what's being played, it's just going to, you're going to like be in the moment, but then you're, you're going to miss your exit on the, on the freeway. And then like, Oh, whoops. But Dwayne has always been so cool that way. Like um, he would just, just do something. He'd lift his guitar or something, or just, you know, he'd just do something really subtle and uh, he would help me out. And he never complained about that. He never said, you know, I shouldn't have to do that, David your fucking job right right 
<laughs> he, he, he never did that. There's a there's a song on that one, uh, Wax Eater, which actually is one of the songs that has uh, a band has named themselves after, which is a certain type oh, of really? bar. Yeah, there's a band called yeah. Wax Eater, and they're, they're they're good too. Uh, there's some backing vocals on that. I think it's the uh, what's it the, the the main the manger the manger men's choir something along those lines. Who's who's doing backup vocals in that one? Who's 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 the the other vocals the four, the four of us okay <laughs> so why is it the manger men's i've always this is this may be like stupid or it may be like you know not important but i've always wondered who that is or what, uh, yeah, what a reference is is it and, referencing um, something is it like uh, a <laughs> well uh we uh when we first when david and i first moved to chicago we lived with uh ray washman his girlfriend and um because it was all a bunch of Texans, like Alvini and all our, our buddies named it, called that apartment that we lived in the ranch. So, we, you know, come on over to the ranch, we'll have some beers or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then when things changed and then when the four of us, Jesus guys all lived together, we called it the manger because of Jesus. Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so that's yeah. When they when we had the little backing vocals, we just decided to call it the Manger Men's Choir. Uh, that's fun. So you know, is that the uh, when it was was the ranch? Uh, is that the your your first mistake was thinking you could fuck with the ranch? Is that yes, reference? yes, yeah. That's what, yeah. Because there was this guy who lived a couple of houses down, and I don't remember specifically what he did, but he was a fucking asshole. And um, <laughs> David David wrote Blockbuster about him. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, and also in in on head there's some backing vocals that my my wife did uh when i was married at the time and um that was susie I'm right mind hearing this story re repeating the story but she was so nervous that i went in the vocal booth with her and kind of held her hand you know she's got the headphones on and um i think all she was doing was she was just going hangs Hangs. That's all she had to do. Right. But she was so nervous. She and and um, she she goes, um, God, I'm so nervous. I'm sweating. Even my cooch is sweating. <laughs> and of course, she didn't realize that the guys in the control room could hear everything that she said. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. We yeah. Come, we come back from the <laughs> vocal booth into the control room, and Albini's on the floor laughing. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a good recording. Moment. <laughs> that's a that, that's a that's a great um, that's a great studio moment. Uh, uh, to, to, to be sure, that's that's uh, that's a good one. Uh, so then, uh, and recently, thirty years ago, recently, uh, is when Goat came out, which is a uh, a record, the second full length very iconic record uh this is a record that has inspired a lot of people that a lot of people still listen to to this day that is a, a record that has brought a lot of joy to people and i was wondering you know this is i, I, I want to talk about everything but it's not often you get to like at the week talk about a record that came out 30 freaking years ago that has still had that level of impact oh. so 
So could you tell me a little bit about just as, at the beginning, uh, you know, where were you guys from as a band perspective, from a songwriting standpoint, uh, you know, the recording of that, just, just kind of like the world around uh, when you were making GOAT? Well, I knew you were going to ask a question along those lines, and I was telling my girlfriend, like, uh, I'll do the best I can, but I don't know. It was a fucking blur. Um, it was <laughs> a, a whole lot of fun. Um, Good thing we didn't base the entire episode on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Like, what pops in my head? Like, um, I, get, I think that I had written the words for Seasick, but, and I was trying to figure out where to put what and how to do it. And in this one particular practice one time, I I got what I really, I liked it. And I was really excited. And I came, I came home and uh, on the bed with my wife, I was throwing her in the air, singing the words to Seasick going, this is so much fun. <laughs> um, um, is Monkey Trick on that record? Uh, yeah, that's like halfway through. That's like I think it was good. In, it... Okay. Um, a lot of people think that that's me doing that scream at the beginning. It's yeah. So great. Ah, yeah. 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 That's uh, that's Santiago Durango from uh, uh, from Big Black. Black. Yeah. Arsenal. And um, huh. uh, originally I wanted a little girl to do it, like you know, a nine-year-old girl, because they just when they scream, it's like a whistle, and it would just like be really really piercing and stuff but we didn't know any nine-year-old girls um well i think david did um but um that was a joke yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but santiago just happened to be hanging out in the studio this day and um i said you you can you scream pretty good and he said yeah i can scream pretty good mm -hmm. and so you know, I explained to him what I wanted and where I wanted it to be and just pointed at him and and he did it one take. And that's that. That's awesome. And that that's that's like a that's an all time, uh, you know, person screaming on a record scream for me. That's like pretty great. It's a pretty great scream. Yeah. I concur. I concur. I wish it had been me. <laughs> so, or, or what was it? Um, who Agent Orange? Oh, who yeah. The, uh, oh. yeah uh yeah uh <laughs> bloodstains right is that that's not yeah. right bloodstains cheap thrills fast cars yeah rich girls fine wine I lost my I said, wait you're the guy that does that scream yeah and he said yeah and i said man hi good to meet you <laughs> that, that's another all-timer for sure that one's that, that's up there with like uh <sighs> The single version of Revolution by the Beatles, where like uh, I think John does that blood curdling scream at the beginning of it, like the really rocked out version. That's another good one. Cool. We we could just have a show where we talk about best screams in rock and roll. I guess. I mean, there's <laughs> limited audience, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Goat. So so okay, let's just go through one by one. Tell me what you you know anything you remember about the song um you know lyrical inspiration you know musically and, and remembrances of anything recording playing live etc cetera, etc cetera. uh you kind of already did first song is then comes dudley 
right? We talked about I'm, Dudley, Dudley, Dudley. You know, just a second. I'm going to go get a copy of the record, so I, I don't even know what songs are on. Okay. <laughs> no, hum, no problem. Hum the theme from Jeopardy real quick. <laughs> do, 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 do. I wonder if this would get copyright violations. Okay, yeah, I couldn't find the record, so <clears throat> I'm, I was just going to... I can send you... Uh, here, I can... I can text it to you if you want. <laughs> it's a some show, isn't it? No. Uh, okay. So first song, did you know that Then Comes Dudley was going to be the first one? No. No. The, you know, sequencing was always done. Uh, um, afterwards. <laughs> you do best belches, too. That'd be another <laughs> short list. Uh, so that's that's what you know that one starts out you know you got that like that that killer bass and drum intro yeah sort of Peter Gunnish um um yeah that's 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 good sequencing I think um um I mean, what did you have? Did you have a? Did you have the title first? Did the title come later? Like, what? What? How did? The... Um, well, the lyrics are um, uh, one of the first jobs I had in Chicago. <clears throat> I was working at this um, hippy dippy uh, health food store, mm -hmm. and the man who ran it was nuts, and the his wife was nuts and he had a mistress who worked there and she was nuts and the produce guy was nuts everybody there was fucking nuts and um Dwayne worked there before i did he started and then i worked there and and the way anybody who ever worked at that place quit was they just left they didn't say bye or anything. They just left. It's French and exit. That's what Dwayne said. He fuck this place, and he just left. Yeah. And so I think I worked a few more weeks, and I said, yeah, fuck this place, and just left. But um, it was just I had the picture, a picture of Dudley Do Right coming along, and you know, doing wrong to these people. <laughs> just because they they deserved it or just like that was the the sort of word picture that you had in your mind they were they were so stupid and just like and they <laughs> the way they approached everything was wrong and i didn't like them <laughs> I, you know, I don't i i i wouldn't really want somebody to tear them a new asshole right that right wouldn't be nice but you know <laughs> it's a you, you wouldn't be sad about it either if it happened you're like oh that's a such a shame that's oh well <laughs> life goes on so that's that's funny that there's a you know the the, the mistress of a, of a man who's crazy too there actually was a, another there, there actually was a mistress who was indeed also crazy that was just a, a telling of the of the, of the real life events of this 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 place. This place still in business? This joint is No, I I I really really doubt it. Um New City Market. <coughs> Second song's Mouth Breather, which I think there's a there's a very good story behind. I've certainly heard it before. I think other folks uh, may have as well, but I think it's it's a it's a it's a delightful one, I think. What about Brit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want me to tell the story? Yeah, please. Okay. I don't. Um, Steve Albini had 
to go do something out of town. I don't, I don't know what it was. But at the time, Brett Walford, who played drums in Slint, was living in Chicago, and he was going to house sit for Steve while Steve was gone. And um, <laughs> Britt, as like many people from Louisville, they're not like other people. And that's not a bad thing. It's, a, it's generally a good thing because they're just remarkable. Um, I don't know if it's the water or what, but um, Britt made a few sort of mistakes. Like uh, he, he got really drunk and lost the key so he couldn't get in. So he broke the door down and then just nailed it back up with some two by fours. And um, he, at, at the house Steve was living at in the time, or the ground floor was just like a regular house. But then the attic, he had converted it into a, um, the control room of a recording studio. And then in the basement was the, where you would set up the instruments. And uh, Brit somehow or the other, like, broke the toilet and it flooded and was raining down into the drum room and stuff like that. Um, I think in the song it also says something about the, the cat died or he killed the cat or something. Maybe not, but um, that didn't happen. That, didn't that, kill the cat. That, that was artistic license uh, <laughs> for that one. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't remember those. But yeah, and then so Steve and I were talking about it about Brit, who I absolutely love Brit. Mm -hmm. I love that guy. Yeah, great dude. Um, um, and Steve said, well, yeah, don't get me wrong. He's a nice guy. But he's a mouth breather. <laughs> oh, no, I like him just fine, but he's yeah. a mouth breather. Um, and I thought, well, that, that could be a song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly somewhat allegorically. I mean, in the end of the song, you know, in my kitchen, I find my friend deceased. Like, clearly he did not die, but it's, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It wasn't the cat that died. It was him dying, right? Yeah. Nobody died. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, that said, the, uh, the raining piss line is especially evocative of... Uh, you know, I guess you can go back to the apple juice story from the from the off video uh, for that, but uh, yeah, that 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 that's an all timer for sure. <clears throat> uh, Nub, that's got the um, that great slide slide guitar thing happening in there. Can you tell me a little bit about Nub? Um, okay, the lyrically for that, I was uh, riding. I didn't have a car at the time. And so I was get around on the bus and there's a sign by the window that says, uh, I, this is not verbatim, um, you know, por favor de no sacar las manos fuera de la ventana, which means don't stick your hands out the window. Right. And so um, it's, it's about a kid losing his hand or his arm and then having the ghost. Um, the ghost uh, limb. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what it's all about. Um, but when I say por favor, everybody thinks I'm saying one by one. <laughs> we did a video for that song, a guy named Brad Sellers. I thought it was a really cool video, um, especially with the slide going back and forth. There was all this sort of back and forth motion in the video. Yeah, that's a, that, that is a pretty cool, that is a pretty cool look. I think I remember that one. That's the one there's like, there's like, um. There's a cadaver on the yeah, like a, yeah. A autopsy bed. And um, yeah, that was cool. That's evocative. Uh, um, um, 
Oh, um, when you remember when uh, Scorsese did the um, the Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, my girlfriend's brother, who I've been friends with for years, at the time was editing trailers. That's his job, and um, actually, he he even got to come up with ideas and stuff. And so he made a trailer using Nub for the Aviator, and you know the yeah. the. the Howard Hughes' giant plane would come swooping by and was going, yeah. and it was it was really good. It worked really well, and it almost got used, but the Weinstein said no. Oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been perfect for I that. I don't think it would have been in the movie. It would have only been in the trailer. Well, even still, I mean, if you're talking about, like, an exciting part to be like, oh, whoa, that looks awesome. I mean, that, that yeah. kind of... Gives you a statement of intent, like kind of the jump, doesn't it? So, you know, great. Makes for a good trailer. Uh, that's too bad. Wine scenes. Shish. Uh, C6 after that. So we talked a little bit about, about C6, but let's uh, let's talk some more about it. You talked about being happy when you uh, kind of figured out where the, the words in that were going to go, right? That was a, that right. Was... Yeah, and everybody, everybody thinks it's I can't swim, but it's I can swim. But that just, well, that consonant sounds like, the T, it's like, um, you know, there's a word for that. Wash uh, your hands and you rinse them off. Yeah. There's no T in that, but it sounds just like you paid your rent. <laughs> it's an implied T that's not there. Yeah. So it's I can't swim. And I don't know what that's about. That's just completely fictitious. Like, I think some people wanted to do something bad to some guy by the by the ocean. <laughs> I like the uh, get soused by the sea line. I think that's a that, that's that's a good uh, short story. Oh, getting soused by sea. Yeah. Also, Dwayne does a cool trick on there where he takes um two strings and grabs them with the pick so that they overlap and then slides down. And he does that to two, four strings, two pairs of four. Two pairs of two, and it just goes this like, and that's the like um, whatever um, yeah, get south by the sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a really unearthly kind of like, what is that kind of sound? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Catches the attention. Interesting guitar player. That's Wayne. He's a very, very unique, cool, interesting uh, guitar player. Yeah. Uh, so then after seasick, we got Monkey Trick. Okay, Monkey Trick, I think, is the best song we wrote. Um, of all the records? I never got the perfect recording of it. I think that there are places to... Albini and I sort of shared this belief, which I don't know if I still um, am down with, but that keeping the vocals a lot quieter than your typical, like, typically, um, that it makes the music seem louder. So whether it does or doesn't, it doesn't serve well for the vocals because you can't really hear them. And um, yeah, I wish that on Mouth Breather, there, there's a couple parts where I wish that I had been a better singer and able to hit particular notes. Yeah. And um, it, I just feel like that song, we should have recorded it under like 20 different circumstances and then picked one and said, wow, this one's great. Yeah, yeah, because if it's, I mean, it does seem like it's a bit of a, I think you can play that song for people and 
reasonably say, yeah, this band, the Jesus Lizard, this is what they sound like, you know, and, and like you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be wrong. Like it, it would be a great yeah, entry point. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, you know, I think at the time we were going, man, it's, this is epic. Yeah. Well, it does have a sense of that. There is a kind of adventure to it. Uh, <laughs> despite it not being a very long song, you know, it, it's like, there's that line, uh, tonight at the knife stick up place. Oh, oh, you want to know what that's about? I would love to know what that's about. Yeah. Um, What's going on? Um, I had become friends with Martin Atkins, drummer. Yeah, yeah. The, the and he did yeah. on the south side of Chicago. And I was helping him with some drywall work. And uh, I had, I would borrowed my girlfriend's little Sony Walkman or one of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was nobody around. And then this guy who, I guess he, I guess he was acquaintance with Martin, but not a friend or something. He, uh, he said, get, get, uh, he, he said, can I look at that? And I said, sure. And he'd look at it and he put it in his pocket and started to walk away. And I said, what? Hey, 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 hey. And uh, he pulled a knife out. And I said, you know what? You, you can keep it. But yeah, uh, yeah he took my wife's, um, I think, were we married at the time? Yeah, we were married. Um, took her, her uh, Sony Walkman. So that's tonight at the nice to cut place. What what was the uh, tape or the CD or what what was what was being listened to at the time? Oh, probably a practice tape. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was David Geffen. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, and that you know, there's a lot of kind of it almost seems like a noirish mystery sort of story. Uh, that you kind of like get in and out of uh, with the lyrics was was that the intent with writing it or were you just kind of putting things together that you thought sounded cool putting things together because the the part about um body parts all over this town in austin before i moved from austin there was this murder and somebody had taken they'd cut these bodies up and throw a hand in the dumpster over by the university and then a leg and the thing across town and stuff um, so yes. that's what that's about. And then the, um, I spake as a child. Yeah. Uh, my father, <laughs> um, was, uh, <laughs> he was pretty clever. He was a good, he was, um, a wordsmith and stuff. And, um, he, he was a air force fighter pilot. And, um, I don't remember exactly what the situation was. I think it was some sort of, um, not an IQ test, but like a personality test or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a fill in the blank. It was say, and the, the the sentence was, when I was a child, blank, blank, blank. And my father put, I spake as a child. I just thought that was killer. It's a good line. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you're like, wow, what does that mean? Like, what is that? That's cool. You know, it, it gets, it gets the attention. That That's good. Uh, I mean, were there other, because there's other recordings of that. I mean, I think there's like a, you know, there's a the, the show version of that that's on there. There's um, it's in there like a single version or something of it. There's like some alternate version. There, I think there may be, and then it's also it's also on Club, right? That the that thing right. that Henry Youngs put out. Yep. Um, and it's funny you said it does. It's not long, but it seems like a long song. It would have been. Yeah, we should have made it like seven minutes. Yeah, it's it's just it's just slightly over four. 
Like it's not yeah. it's not long at all, but it, it's it's just so big in scope and scale. It's actually I actually use that as an example of how you can make something sound big in scope and scale without it necessarily being a long song. So now how about that? I'll push my glasses up after making that. I don't have on. Uh, Carpus is the next song. Mm, I don't like that song. <laughs> you don't. Why lyrics about a guy named Carpus who was in prison and stuff? I I don't like the music. I don't like the words. I don't like the way I sang it. There's not anything that I like about that song. Interesting. So, did you have like, is it something that you at one point did like it and you ended up not liking it later on, or you just always kind of like whatever? This one's fine. You know what? I take it back. The music, that did and did the sort of weird lilting thing. Yeah, that it's, it's kind of cool, kind of like. Um, I think, yeah, I think I'm saying that because I don't like my part. I'm not happy with my part. So, yeah. Um, and I, I don't really have any incredible memories about it. Okay. That they don't they don't all need to need to have that. Uh, so what about Southmouth then? Southmouth. Okay. Um how's that one? I don't know how to go on it. Do I have to ask you that one? You know, it's got, it's got kind of some swing oh. to it a little bit, you know. Oh, 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 did you see somebody covered that just recently? Did you see that? I think it's no. a guy like playing in his car doing that song <laughs> really really wow and it's okay it's really good it's really good or no fuck um hang on um maybe maybe it was uh where the fuck where was that this is where having a producer would be nice where i could just make them chase it down what, say it again if i had a producer i'd just make them uh chase that down right now so we wouldn't have to stop the show uh <laughs> oh you you have a producer no no i'm, I'm oh. just talking about things that i don't have that would, would uh, uh you know hey here's here's two dudes searching for a thing on the internet <laughs> see who can find it first uh nope that ain't it what well, helps if i spell it right um well see, see i think i have it on my computer because i think i've got it in my itunes um but that's the jesus lizard that's this one okay okay yeah it's um, the band. The band I think is called the Temple Street Resistance. Oh wow! Okay. And they do. It's kind of um. It's almost. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like folky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wow. It's, it's it's uh the Temple Street Resistance. That's awesome. Devil and um South, they covered Southmouth on it. I had no idea. That's that's brand new to me. That's that's fascinating. Wow, that's really cool. And, and it works in that um as that arrangement too like it works like yeah it did it's it's a it was cool i, I like what they did i mean that's that's the one um i, I refer to it as the the, the hey sometimes song because that's it was like he, <laughs> hey sometimes a bunch at the end <laughs> and there's other stuff too but that's what i could make out as you know listening to my worn out second generation cassette right <laughs> Uh, one and that was that. <clears throat> actually, that song was fun to 
come up with because like like hey sometimes we act like animals like we act sometimes like little girls which wasn't necessarily in time with the music but i yeah. sort of tried to make it work i think you know maybe they go eight times and i go seven or something like that i'm not sure but yeah i like that sort of weird math kind of it, it kind of like it comes in and out of time and kind of just follows yeah. its own <laughs> it's its own thing it's i mean it's as a listener, it's very, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's, you know, it's pretty cool sounding. Like so, mission accomplished as far as that goes. Thank you. Uh, lady shoes. Uh, let's see. Okay, Dwayne used to work before I met him when he lived in. Um, <clears throat> I think he was in Detroit. I think the, the shoe store was in Detroit, but he used to work at a shoe store and then flirt with ladies when he's selling them shoes. I think that's, you know, he'd call them like a, you know, honey bunch and sugar pie and yeah, yeah. cheesecake lady. Um, so he named it Lady Shoes, but it's about um, a dream that I had that is just weird and disgusting and a bunch of horrible shit happens in it. <laughs> Um, yeah there's like a nurse killing babies with like a hammer or something in that song i mean it's pretty rough like (laughs) and then the doctor comes in and pops a boner and jacks off in her cab right (laughs) you know what there's there's lady shoes and there's also um a a joke i made up that uh, was a dream called the penguin joke and i just recently like two weeks ago Finally saw um, the Aristocrats. Oh yeah, yeah. How'd you, you like it? That? Yeah, I, I enjoyed I'd it. I never. I did too, but because I hadn't, I didn't know that joke and I hadn't seen it in anything and how they stretch it out. That lady shoes and the penguin joke. I think. Well, wait a minute. I thought I invented this kind of shit, where it's just like you just. <laughs> make the most most ridiculous asinine terrible shit that just keeps dragging on yeah (laughs) i'm hurt that uh that existed but i didn't know about it i think that's uh the aristocrats is the best example of gilbert godfrey being his his best gilbert godfrey and and like being the man for his time yeah, of, of that and, time. and also, um, what's the the guy from Funny Home Videos? Yeah. Oh, uh, um, yeah, that guy. I, I know who you're talking about. Um, his name's not springing to mind, but it, it, it's. But uh, he did the Bob best one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Bob yeah. Because he was a real filthy comedian. Has always been a really filthy comedian, despite like being mostly known for this, you know, ultimately rather wholesome show, where people yeah. are frequently getting hit in the balls with stuff, but. You know, wholesome. <laughs> when, I, when I first moved to LA, my wife and I lived. We lived in Santa Monica, and we went to this grocery store that has an elevator. Mm-hmm. So we we were on the floor waiting for the elevator, and the elevator opened, and there were probably about like uh, eight or nine people in there. And Bob Saget was one of them, and he was tall. He's like heads above everybody else. And he and I made eye contact and just sort of like smiled. And then they get out of the elevator, and our little bunch gets in the elevator, and the door's closed, and one guy goes, was that Bob Saget? And we all burst out laughing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so then that rounds out um, the, the non-reissue, uh, the record as, as I uh, generally know it, which is uh, Rodeo and Juliet, which is ends, ends the record. 
Okay, I barely remember anything about that. It's, I think it's, I think I liked Chicago, but very early on, I was tired of the winters. It's just the winters suck. Yeah. And um, I think that that was sort of kind of about like complaining about having to deal with it. Things. Yeah. I, I, I don't... <laughs> it's a pretty um, abstract. A abstract lyrically uh, uh, a song but it's a uh, it, there's some there's some kind of propulsive cool guitar stuff that happens in there it's, it's a it's a fun ender for a record i mean it's an iconic record for a reason and it's it's kind of like romeo and juliet yeah. If you ever been to Juliet, it's even funnier. Like I, I think it was the the fourth or fifth time I had, had been in Chicago on tour, and I was like, "Oh!" Like I saw like a sign for Juliet. I'm like, "Oh, I get it." Oh, because I was like, "Did they just spell that wrong?" Like what? I I just whatever. I didn't know. Sorry, but like that's fine. It, 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 it was it, it was a long it was a joke that I got the punchline of like years later, basically. I, yeah, like there another was town um, that I was, we played a few times and I got a kick out of it in Peoria, but I always called it Peoria. <laughs> Did they like that? No. <laughs> the Peoreans? The Peoreans? Peoreans? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did. They didn't care for it. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I take that back. I bet the ones who heard it come from me probably liked it. Right. Maybe they <laughs> maybe maybe they had a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Uh, so that's the record proper. That that that's goat. That's um. I mean, how do you how do you feel about that record in the pantheon of uh, the rest of the discography of the rest of that band? Like, do you do you feel like it's good? Do you have any? Strong yeah, experience. I'm proud of it. Um, uh, I, I've always felt like Goat and Liar are so much brother and sister. They 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 could have been a, just a double album. Yeah, you know. Um, because uh, all the records were really short. Cause well, we they exactly, and and they come from that school of. Hey, that was great. Let's just play the whole thing over again, rather than uh, what kind of became a late '90s thing of "Hey, this is great. When is it going to be over?" <laughs> really? <laughs> that's a, in the late 90s? That, that, that's that's my personal. Thought. Well, because it's like CDs, right? People like, oh, we hey, we can pick seventy-two, uh, you know, put seventy-two minutes of music on here. Cool. Let's put every song we've ever written on, you know. And it's right, right. Turns out that's not maybe not the most enjoyable experience. Uh, speaking personally, others might feel differently, but. But you also I said, do, "Oh, go ahead. Sorry." Well, I, I sort of think to a degree, and I I think I can speak for the four of us that we all like the idea of leave them wanting more. Yeah. But also, we were so busy touring that once we got like, you think that's enough songs for a record? Yeah. Okay, let's just do it. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> well, because you got a couple other songs around that time. That was that was. Um... Uh, Sunday You Need Love, Monday Be Alone, the trio cover, right? That was like around that same time, um, which I think you, you, you <laughs> what I love is that you did uh, you did two, not one, but two trio covers, but neither one was da, da, da. And I love that. <laughs> well, 
you better sit down. They want David and Dwayne wanted to do da da. They wanted to do a trio of trio songs, and I was going like, oh. I don't even like the two we're doing. <laughs> and and, it, it, and also that's Santiago on Sunday Evening Love. Right, right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't. I'm not a fan of trio. Not a big trio fan. Which, but that's okay because I mean. I think if you're going to cover something, it doesn't matter if you like them or not. It's like if you, what can you do with the idea that they had? Right, with 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 that song. Like, what can you bring to that song? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, you know speaking of other things, and that I guess that's on the um, I don't have it, but I guess that's on the remaster uh, reissue. But there's a um, pop song as well. There's a couple of live songs also. There's like a live version of Seasick. Uh, that's where I was thinking of the other the other version of. Um, uh, monkey trick. That's that. That's what that's on. Okay. Um, but there's a the pop song. There, it's called pop song. What, do you remember? Do you remember that one? That's a. I can pull it up. I, rem- I, I know we did a song called pop song, but I don't have a clue what it sounds like. Let's see if I can find it. Let's see. Do you have a green screen behind you? I live in a void, sir. <laughs> Yeah, this is one that kind of, you know, it's kind of Gang of Four. You're like doing the super fast. Hold on, so they can... <laughs> Just a, no specific memories for that one then, huh? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I don't think I'd ever heard it before. Uh, that reissue came out, so um, so that's good. thirty years, thirty years of goat, man. Like it, it's, uh, did, did it ever occur to you that people would still be like, you know, listening to that record and you know finding influence and, and love and uh, that's inspiration? That's an interesting there? question because I remember when it came out, I was going like, man, I bet in thirty years people are still going to be listening to this. <laughs> All right, dumb question. Fine. <laughs> You know, you've you've done the music thing. Like if, God, like when Scratch Acid was a band and we sold more than a thousand records, I was going, what the fuck? I don't even know these people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if if it can be still appreciated that long after, I'm, I'm honored, flattered. Well, I talk in this show, too, about there being like certain records that, you know, some kid finds every year and, and kind of like, oh, wow, cool. Check this out. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, like freaking, you know, the Spiderland, yeah. Minor Threat, like whatever. Not Trio, apparently. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like the, the records that are just like, whoa, you know, when someone gets their first Thin Lizzy record, whoa, oh my God, it's great. You know, like it kind of opens up their, their horizon somewhat. And I, f- I feel like Goat is absolutely... Uh, one of those records again, as, and as you mentioned, like kind of like the sibling to liar, right? Because it's sort of like either one, you know, t- take your pick. They're both like kind of do their statements of intent. Um, but you know, I, it just, I, it's just, it's interesting. I'm just coming to this perspective of like a fan, really. But it's got to be kind of weird to see people kind of attempting to rip off stuff from that record or like, you know, do their own thing with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, do you, do you hear that at all? Like, is that something you ever think about? I've heard, um, I've heard 
people talk about like you got to hear this thing they're, they're just ripping you guys off and i listen to it and I, and I don't see it you don't hear it um um yeah um there have been there's that version of south mouth that's really good that's and, great um, and then on another record we did a song called elegy and a band in um the northwest called the hearers did a killer version of that song um and there was a um a, a scottish guy who played an accordion version of slave ship oh awesome that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> that sounds rad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's there there's the Jazzus Lizard, right? That that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I did a show with those guys. Yeah. How, how how did that how did that feel? Was that It was funny. Yeah. It was good. It was funny. It was interesting. Did it did it like hit the same at all? Did it feel like you were in a weird dream or something? Like what was what was the? No, it didn't, no, it wasn't. It it wasn't the same. It's it's very very different. But yeah. uh, it was fun. They're good guys, and you know, I, I I'm I'm touched by the concept. You know, I think I think Liar is a fantastic record as well. Um, you know, we we don't need to go through song by song with it. We talked a couple ones as well but i mean when I, when I think of that record i think actually the first song i heard from you guys probably was puss just by nature of the internet being what it was and and whatnot and i kind of went backtracked where were you guys at like around that time i mean it's sort of like that that's a great like just like a one-two punch of like goat liar that's a that's a band of top you know top form at least from the outside world did you feel like that was the case as you know on the inside did you feel like you were doing good work it hadn't like you know gotten old or anything right um um yeah i i think even even when we finished liar i was going wow this just sounds this sounds like the other disc of the double album with goat i mean i always thought i always said you know we can't play gladiator and then comes Dudley right next to each other in the set because because <laughs> they have a say, similar sort of feel and yeah, and uh, you, can't do, um, yeah. you know there were I can't think of them off the top of my head but there was a handful of songs where I said you know we can't have these next to each other in the set right um, it, it, it would uh, because they sound like each other it would be the, the there's you know the contrast and uh, and and simile but it's like there's too much simile in there it's a little bit too simple but I mean also I mean like. Christ, like that's that's another one. Boilermaker is a totally different type of intro. You know that that's a great intro to an album. It's a very different kind of intro. That's true. It it starts immediately. Yeah, just right, just boom. Did you see? Did you see David Yao the TV show of Get Shorty? No. So. Wow. Was yeah, it's on. Uh, I believe it's streaming on Amazon Prime. It's got the guy. It's got Chris. Uh, Dowd from uh, IT Crowd and um, oh, like a bunch of other stuff. Uh, really, really awesome dude. There's a scene at a motel karaoke bar, and the the woman that he's he's talking to uh, does karaoke to Boilermaker. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you the video. It's a it's. It's amazing. It's because I was, it was one of those things where I was just watching and I'm just enjoying the show. It's a good show. It's a show 
Um, I, I like it far better than the John Travolta movie, which I don't dislike. But I think the show kind of just has a, a kind of a cooler take on it, and the, the longer form allows the story to be explored. But yeah, just apropos of nothing, they're having a karaoke night at this motel karaoke bar, and she she sings Boilermaker. <laughs> I will send this to you. Movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is, um, yeah. So it's not, it's not the movie. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an Amazon. I think it's, I don't know if it was commissioned for Amazon Prime, but Amazon Prime definitely had, and it's a good show. It's, it's a really solid show, and it's a good act. The whole thing is he comes from crime, like he's trying, but he's trying to not do crime. He's trying to like do movies instead. Uh, So that's the conceit of it. But I think it works as a good, just kind of fish out of water like Hollywood kind of thing also. But I, I was, I, it was sort of like, just like how the beginning of that song is like a punch across the face. Like seeing that in this show was like a punch across the face. Whoa. That's pretty That's yeah. pretty funny. Have you seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? It's one of my favorite shows of all time, yes. See, I hadn't, um, about maybe two years ago, I don't know, time is such a fucking blur now. I did this audition for that show but i had not seen the show and um the role was for this guy an austrian guy who refuses to speak english and he like <laughs> digs at his feet with a, a, a knife or a spoon or something yeah and at first danny devito is offended by him but then they bond on like digging your stuff and so the audition it it just said speak german it doesn't matter what you say <laughs> because, because i speak a little bit of German, but yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But I can say things like um Gay links from Don Rex from Don Garadaus, nine das ist nicht mein Gepäck, which means goes left and right and straight. No, that's not my luggage. And so I was just doing that shit and being gross. And they'd said the casting director said he's just disgusting and stuff, or he's really gross. And I was doing it, <clears throat> little noises and whatever. And she interrupted the audition and put her hand on her chest and she said, oh my God, you're disgusting. I love it. <laughs> and so it was really good. It was really good um, audition. But I don't know if you remember the episode, uh, it was an old white Austrian guy and his son and they'd leave on a bus, but um, I, they wanted somebody older. Gotcha. Yeah. But they did tell my manager that they loved it. And I said, tell them to fucking write me into the show that I'm Danny DeVito's long lost brother. And I'm part of the fucking show from now on. How amazing would that be? That would, that would be, that would be lovely. That's the most punk rock thing on TV. There's blood and vomit in every episode. Well, and I love that it's, it's so long running too. And they just, the characters get more and more depraved and more, you know, crazy and weird as time goes on. Like it, 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 it's it. They're relatively well adjusted, you know, uh, in the first in the first season, and just like as time goes on, they just get further and further down the line, and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> the first episode I saw was the one when Danny wanted to um, sponsor the beauty pageant. Yeah, and he's going. I'm not. I'm not attracted to any of these little girls. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Nightman Dayman thing. There's so, I mean, God, there's so, it's such a, it's such a brilliant show. It's a, it's, it's, it's a show about dumb people for smart people, I feel, as opposed to a show about smart people for dumb people, which I could name that show, but I'm not going to. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. So think on that, everybody. But so, so then, okay. So Liar, you know, more, more, more rocking. You know, there, there's some some different kinds of songs, uh, stuff that's on there. You did the, you did this. I mean, oh, Christ, I forgot about the. You did the, 
the split with Nirvana because you've been planning that for like a while, but like before it was like Nirvana was, you know, at, at the level that they were at. <laughs> right, it got dragged out just because of paperwork with them and Geffen and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, was that because Jesus was a very idiosyncratic band and had your own voice and your own and your own audience. I mean, was there ever any? you know, were you just keeping your head down and doing your thing? Or was there ever any sort of like thoughts of like, well, maybe this, you know, okay. They are seeming to let the weirdos in a little bit here. Like maybe this could be like a bigger thing. Or were you just worried about keeping it sustainable or were you not worried about any of that at all? Well, when, um, uh, what was, uh, uh, Gary Gersh was running capital when we signed to capital and, um, you know, we had talked to some other people, Jimmy Iovine at uh, Interscope, and we did not get along with that fucking guy. Um, <laughs> but Greg Gersh seemed like a guy. And um, so we signed a, kind of went with him, but I told him, you know, we're not going to sell any records. And he said, David, I don't think that's true. I think, uh, I think, I think you're going to sell a lot of records. And I'm like, okay. I was right. <laughs> and, you know, I, um, I think we Told were open you. to uh, some experimentation, and a lot of people really poo-poo blue. I I like blue. I think blue is a great headphone record. I like blue as well, and I think it's um. I think that is the case of it is a good record that people wanted something that it wasn't. They wanted it to sound more like something that it wasn't, and, and I think it kind of. I think the reaction to that is is unfortunate because and, and even then I mean there's still some you know uh cold water that's that, that's a ripper like horse doctor man like there's songs that like they would fit very nicely in a set the only one that I would choke if it came in the room would be needles for teeth because we we conceded to let I don't even remember who it was two like producer jerk offs in in LA <laughs> take that song and do whatever they want. It sounds like a fucking Nine Inch, Nail, it, Nine Inch Toenails throwaway. It's awful. It, it does sound a bit like Nine Inch Nails, yeah. And there's a version on that EP, the one that came out um, before that that was a, kind of like a more stripped down, like I don't know, a demo or, or what, but it's sort of like, is this the same song? <laughs> like after they... After they on the fire res- on the jet set thing. Yeah, yeah, the one with the uh, Inflicted by Hounds and... Um, uh, yeah, the other one. I saw. I think is, is is on there too. Um, the green one, the kind of uh, the key lime one. The one looks like a key lime pie. Yeah, and there's a, a headless person with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did the artwork for that, but I I forgot we forgot to name it. And I don't <laughs> think that I don't think we ever said, well, what do you want to name it? I think we just forgot. Just forgot. It slipped my mind. It just the Jesus leather. It doesn't say anything on there about a name. Uh, can, you know, I think blue is a very it's an also an interesting record uh, because you have Jim instead of Mac, right? I mean, it's sort of like you know they're very awesome drummers, like but they're not the same drummer. They're they're, they're different. And yeah. I saw you guys a couple times around that. Uh, around that. in fact, I saw you one time at Sacramento, at a place like the size of my living room. It was great, but it was a. Uh, um, it was like one of those things where it's like, why why is why why is this happening in Sacramento? <laughs> That's speaking to someone that came from Modesto, by the way. Like, I was I was pleased, but uh, do you think, like, was Andy Gill cool to work with? I mean, R.I.P. 
Oh yeah, it was a it was a blast. We became good friends in in that in that short time. Like I, at the time, I was living in Indiana, about fifty miles away, and so we instead of like leaving at midnight and coming back at nine in the morning, I we set up this little room. Which, it was like my apartment. I had a microwave and a toaster oven and a little dorm fridge and all that stuff, and just stayed at a friend's house in Chicago for the weeks, and then would come home for a day. And, but um. Andy and I would go out after recording a lot, and it was really fun. We really kind of hit it off. I had this little uh, Ford Ranger pickup truck, and uh, Andy had never heard a uh, <coughs> Rayman. And um, I played some Rayman for him, and I don't remember what song it is, but it starts out like, and Andy, that sounds like me. <laughs> And then, and then the song progresses on a little further and he goes that sounds exactly fucking like me and um so i, I called steve and i said uh, andy gill thinks that you should you owe him some money and steve said that when he first saw a gang of four at whatever place in chicago that he gave john king a dollar and said give this to the guitar player <laughs> he'd already he already paid you andy <laughs> oh Steve that's 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 good that's a good bit that's that and that's uh yeah that that that's awesome um and then when um this is just this is just whatever um when Andy died I didn't reach out to his wife because I knew that she was just being inundated with all this kind of crap sure yeah. but two days after he died she called up and said are you going to be able to make it to the funeral and I said I, I can't and she told me that he was one of my favorite, one of the favorite people he ever worked with. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and that guy's done a lot of stuff, too. That's yeah, crazy. That, that really, yeah, that's, that kind of got me. <laughs> I mean, damn, dude. That's awesome. I mean, it's heart, it's heartbreaking. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the... Uh, well, and I don't want to skip past. Uh, I, I think Shot's a really good record too. I think Shot. I think Shot is also underrated. Not as a, probably underrated as Blue. I think Blue is probably the most misunderstood. But uh, that was uh, Garth, right? That was uh, produced that one. Yeah. Remember, right? Uh, I mean, do you have, what what are your thoughts on that record? Do you think? Do you think like is it what we wanted it to be or? I like it. I, I think it's a good fucking rock record. David yeah. Sims definitely feels like if you want to. Hear what he thinks the Jesus lizard should sound like. That that's shot. Um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed working with Garth. He had good ideas, and then Joe Barisi did the um, uh, did all the mixing, and he was just remarkable. Uh, I think it's a good record. I, uh, the only record of ours that I down is my least favorite. Okay, can you speak a little bit to that? Because it's 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 a little yeah. different sounding. Something about it's a little different sounding, but even though it's uh, you did that with Steve, didn't you? That was uh... yeah, yeah. But it sounds like there's a pillow sitting on top of the speaker. And and I and the songs. What are the fucking songs on that record? Yeah, uh, fly on the wall. That's that's a good. The associate. That's another good one. Um, Elegy's on there. You mentioned Elegy earlier. That's a. Oh yeah. Uh, well. 
That's not so well. Those songs aren't so bad. Um, but yeah, it's the 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 the, um, the sound of it just isn't very good. Do you, was that something that we just try new stuff out, or just didn't? It's weird to talk about because um, I think that's about you know there was this um, relatively well sort of publicized falling out that Stephen yeah. we had, and I think that was sort of the beginning of it. Um, but there's like destroyed before reading. That's a ripper, lowrider. That's really good. I mean, like I'm I'm looking at this now, and it's these are these are. I listen to that record a lot. You know, <laughs> I like it. Okay. And the remastered one comes with blank track. I don't know what that is. White Hall. I remember that. Glamorous Death as a Bat and Panic and Sister. Where did Glamour, oh, Where was Glamorous originally released? Was that a single? That was a single, right? That was like a Glamorous. Because that's what I saw you do that with Quee, uh before you started. Was it that one? I think. Wait, am I thinking the right one? It uh, was. It was a three seven inch little set. Yeah, I used to have it. Some, I think an ex roommate stole it. And then there was also, I think it was the first song on the show album. That's what I'm thinking of. Is it's on show? Because I, I I had a that cassette got heavy play in uh, in my Walkman. <clears throat> so uh, you know, I I know it from there. But that's the uh, that's the album version, and that's um, yeah, there's some good there's some good stuff. It's so. Do you feel like? Um, so ending with the, the like the original run without the the uh, I think you called it the reenactments earlier right like it ends with like blue then there's like the the uh, the bang which is the um, odds and sods like here's all the other stuff yeah. here's here's the trio songs that David doesn't like that are on here uh, you know that that stuff <clears throat> at that point do you feel because you hadn't. Had had you decided you were going to do acting at that point? Was it was that already kind of decided for you, or you were just trying to figure things out? No, I mean I had done a couple of itty bitty tiny movies in Chicago, like the plane the- thing, the, the where you're the pilots and the the was the video game. What was that? I'm trying to remember. Doesn't matter. Oh, oh yeah, that never came to fruition. No, uh, 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 what was it called? Doing fireman. Yeah, there we go. Tim- Timothy Leary and Steve Albini and yeah. Buzz was in it and Do- Dolomite. It's a horrible shame that it never came to fruition. Yeah, it's, it's like an all-star thing. Like, it would have been amazing, right? <laughs> um, but then, you know, the band broke up, and uh, I started doing photo retouching for a living, and um, I was doing it for marketing companies, and it just disgusted me. Like, you know, I love photo retouching and make this look better, but if it's an indoor display for latest potato chips with Ron John Madden, and no thanks. <laughs> Um, and so my, we decided to move to LA and I said, you know, I, I, I can keep doing this stuff and maybe do some more acting. And that's what I do. <laughs> Photo retouching and acting. And I was the, one of the people that, um, you know, I was, I was a big Quee fan. I played with a bunch way before you ever played with them. And I'm a big fan of Matt and Paul and and, and, the, and the world that they that they've created for themselves. And yeah. it was it was when you started playing with them that was definitely another like oh that's like that's cool like that's a cool thing that's happening that's awesome. So can I, I think I actually I've had Kronk on the show and I think he might have told the story. 
but let's say I haven't. And would you mind just telling the story of meeting the the Kui guys and how that came to pass for that brief moment of time? I don't remember how we met. Um, you played a you played I, as a guest with them, I think, if I remember correctly, for like a like the first show, right? Yeah, we we had become friends, yeah. and um, they asked if I would do a song with them or something, and I said, "Yeah, sure." And we worked on it, and then and then we worked on you know maybe maybe another song and one other song, and then because those guys are exempt, well, I guess the Jesus Lizard Boys are too, but they those guys are incredible musicians, and I'm not. And so, you know, when they're doing things that, uh, you know, with um, harmonies and splitting keys and whatever shit, like, <laughs> um, I can't play with you as far as that goes. And, you know, didn't work. But uh, it, was, it was a great experience. Well, I think with that Love's Miracle record, one of the things that I, th- I think was kind of an uh, almost untold story with that is that it, it kind of seemed like you were pushing yourself vocally to, to try different stuff. And it worked. I thought it worked. Yeah, thanks. Thank they, you. Yeah, well, they yeah. did teach me stuff. And then um, some years down the line, <clears throat> this is an interesting story. Um, Chris Novosella got in touch with me and uh, said, hey, we're going to be doing this thing at the big experience music thing in Seattle with, um, you know, me and Grohl and Pat Smear, and we want you to sing. And I was going, you're out of your fucking mind. And he was serious. He thought that Kurt would have chosen me to take his place. Wow. wow. It was going to be the first time that Nirvana had done anything. Yeah. Done anything since Kurt died. And so um, they gave me a set list and I sort of started working on it. And I was going, I can't do this. Yeah. And I hired Paul, Paul, the guy from Queen, to yeah. give me vocal lessons, which he did for, I don't know, man, two or three months. And then um, they decided to have a bunch of girls do it instead. Oh, right. Because that ended up being the thing that they did. Yeah, I remember. And that was cool. You know, that was it, was, it was a neat idea, like have, a, you know, female voices and stuff. But uh, it's true because the world would have been going, what the fuck is that weird little old guy singing Kurt's part? <laughs> you know, what the what is that shit? <laughs> you know? is, is, that, is this guy what supposed is to be here? Doing, singing the Vana songs. <laughs> wow, that would have that, that would have been, I mean, for, but again you're not going to get everybody uh, with something like that but holy moly that would that would have been i mean again that that's a that would have been a like wow that's a cool thing that's happening there huh interesting i wouldn't have expected that but okay i was pretty excited about it we only got to pra- we practiced once with um chris and buzz and dale and uh, outside of that i just re- just paul like um it smells like teen spirit He's singing a lot higher than it seems like he is. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I can't really sing that high. That's pretty wild. That, that's a, man, that, that's, think of sliding doors like that, uh, that Gwyneth Paltrow vehicle. Um, did you ever see that movie? Which one? Uh, sliding doors. No. Oh, like, so it's a Gwyneth Paltrow movie and she's just like, she's getting on the subway and like, uh, she, doesn't get in a car 
And so it uh, doesn't get in a subway car. Uh, like the door closes on her, right, in one of them. And then it's like, oh, but in this other universe, she did. And, like, her life is completely different because of it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, it's a decent movie. Oh. It's fine. It's a poor description of it. Sorry. I should be a little better at that. But especially if I'm going to use it as an analogy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so then can you – and uh, you talked a little bit about it, but can you talk a little about how you can be doing the Jesus reenactment shows? And, and just as a commentary before it, I saw you guys a lot. I saw you guys a lot back in the day, big places, small places. And I thought, if anything, maybe you guys were a little better on, on the reenactment shows. Thanks. That's what everybody said. And I mean... See, I attribute, at least as far as my part's concerned, I attribute that largely to Paul helping me with um, the vocal lessons because I, can, I think I can sing better now than I used to. Right. Um, and also, we, you know, in the old days, I was blotto pretty much every time, every show. <laughs> um, I kept a better handle on it. And Mac wasn't drinking at all. In the old days, he was drinking. And, and so it was a sort of sober version of, of us um and the way they came about at least the first two i don't know how many we've done now like eight or 13 or something um um we got offered that um all tomorrow's parties in england and they were offering us so much money that you'd have to stand back a mile just to see the, all the numbers in it. So, <laughs> so, so we decided that, well, if we're going to do that, let's do, you know, a couple other shows. Sure. Yeah. And then, and then the next chunk was very much like that, where this, um, the festival in Houston. You can anchor so, it around that and kind of figure out some other stuff that would be also cool to do around there. Yeah. And then also, so God, I don't even know how many we've done, but I think three. And then one of them was the one, no, fuck. Well, we did the, we've done two festivals in Chicago and reenactments. One, the Pitchfork. And then the other one, I don't remember what it's called, but there was like. Uh, not Riot Fest, maybe? Does that sound right? Riot Fest, yeah. Riot Fest. And the coolest thing about all of those was the very first one, the one in uh, Minehead, where, um, you know, we had our old Whitney, our sound man, the greatest sound man in the world, and uh, Botch was there who has booked us and managed us the whole time, and all our girlfriends and wives and the kids and stuff were all there in England. And um, just had no idea how good if it was going to be good or not and um <laughs> people people were crying <laughs> yeah i mean yeah whitney and bots were crying um it was a blast well i mean it's it's, it's something where the music means so much to the people that it means something to and you know that that's never anything to be mocked or or denigrated or even taken lightly like it that's great that's a, like what, a mitzvah right that, that's a that's a mitzvah <laughs> yeah uh, and it, it's it just occurs to me that you know so many of those songs have entered like the pantheon you know for a certain type of person sure of like just like the great 
rock and roll songs. When, when I say great rock and roll songs, like we talked about like Bloodstains by like Alice, by uh, not Alice Donut, fuck me, uh, Agent Orange. <laughs> and like like that to me is like, oh, that's a great rock and roll song, right? But it's of course I have my own, <laughs> you know, hey, so so is Way of the World by Flipper. You know, like, like I've, got, I've got my own metric for those kinds of things. But these the, there's entire new generation of people that never got to see it. Flat out, they never got to see. It. They weren't old enough, too, and, and they get they get to experience that, and they get to experience you guys hitting hitting at your hardest, you know. And it doesn't necessarily feel like, uh, you know, the movie Rocky Balboa or anything, where it's like a special set of circumstances. But it, it it's it's cool to see. And like sometimes, I feel like there is that kind of reunion industrial complex mindset, and uh, that bums me out. But I, I never remotely got any of that from any of the G Slizzard stuff. It's like, hell yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Did you have the, um, what was it? It was in Chicago. There was that incident where you ended up, uh, you know, you got dropped or something along. I wasn't there. I wasn't at that one, but, um, that was a, uh, that, that was kind of a rough situation. It seemed like from afar, where uh, I think it was it you were crowd surfing and got dropped, or like you know something happened, something like landed wrong or something. There was an injury. I, it happened a lot of times. I don't know which one you're talking. About. <laughs> you need <to> be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what I'm what, what what I'm driving at is that like okay, so you you've worked with Paul, you know, kind of trained your oh, voice. Metro? Is that what you're talking I'm about? I'm talking about the Metro, yeah. I, what I was going to say is there's certain things that, like, the body doesn't bounce back like it used to auto could sometimes after after a while. And, uh, right. you know, did did you have any kind of, like, oh, fuck. I mean, obviously, it's it's never going to be a good time if <laughs> if you incur an injury. But I feel like that was a pretty serious one. Um, it, it ended up to be not that big of a deal. It just hurt like a motherfucker. It was bruised yeah. ribs, I think. But, um, uh, yeah, we were doing two nights there two or three nights at the metro and so the next day we talked about it and said well can we can we play and i said i'll just sit on the fucking stool and um so i did that it hurt too much that sucks man that's it's uh and were you, were you weren't there, were you? No, no, no. I, 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 I wish I, I wish I was, but not, not because you were injured, but I wish I had been, been at the show. <laughs> where, where that, um, where that club is, just a block south, was a really nice restaurant that we went to for dinner um, the night of that second show, and uh, I had a filet mignon and whatever, and it was really great. Nice. But the pain kill, the pain pills, I was taking made me throw up all the time oh so man i had this great meal and we're all walking out you know like, talking and immediately i just throw up in a trash can on the corner <laughs> that's that's life's way of keeping you humble i guess i don't know that's a that's just that's just a bummer i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> david this has been great man thank you so much for doing this this is um this this has been brilliant i really appreciate your time and I appreciate you taking the time out to be on the show um, can can folks? Is there anything folks should be looking for uh, from you coming out soon, or that they should be aware of? Um, anything you can talk about? Anything you can? Do, 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 breaking news! Break on the show. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. With, I wish, uh, yeah, I um, I did an audition for their, their, their remaking uh, movie. I don't think I'm at liberty to say what it is, but um, if I get that, I'll let you know. Okay, sounds It'll good. It'll be really, really motherfucking cool. All right. Well, whatever it is, you, you will have the uh, the positive energy of all the listeners of the show, as well as myself. Yes, everybody. <laughs> whatever you have to do, dear God, please help make Dave, make sure David gets that role. This this is the Tinkerbell moment. <laughs> uh, so, David, last show, uh, last uh, last thing on the show. It's the only can question I ever ask anybody, uh, and you can choose to interpret it however you'd like. But why do you do what you do? Um, because um, it's delicious. Nice. <laughs> Dave Yao, thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, Colonel. Uh, uh, until next time. Until next time, yeah. So it won't be quite so long next time. <laughs> Want to do? Let's do monkey trick. Sure.
are they doing indeed? That's the monkey trick by a little band called the Jesus Lizard. Maybe you've heard of them. Featuring my guest, Mr. David Yao. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. What a cool guy. That, that was great. I think. Uh, it was great that he came back on the show. Well, probably shouldn't be that long before he's on again. He's a, he's a busy dude. Uh, learned a lot. Hope you did as well. All right. So. The name of the show is Coded Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. The show airs live, Radio Nope, Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. On RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you like the show and want to support it, and additionally want to get episodes of the show sooner, $1 per month, patreon.com slash reversal. That'll get you there. Hey, David Yao thinks that's a steal, by the way, just so you know. Thanks, everybody, for liking the show on the various internet things, sharing it around. That's how uh, people find out about it. It's always appreciated. Uh, music off, music off. Coming up next for our live listeners. I believe it is a special show about the, not about, in honor of the uh, the film from Entombed. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to Radio Nope, as always. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Stay safe out there. Can you hear me now? I'll check you later. Route 128, you're dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now?
to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. See? 